And what is up, everyone? I am Joe DeHoyos. I'm the host of Beyond the Woodline. Um, real quick, like I like to do before we start the show. Um, you guys don't know I'm actually a Bigfoot researcher here in Texas. I'm part of the JRG, the JRG which is uh, the Jevening Research Group. Um, you guys want, are interested in helping out. You can help out in any way. You don't necessarily have to go out into the field and participate like that. We understand not everybody can do it or even wants to do it. Um, you can you know, do your research from behind the computer. You can do it on your phone. You can find witnesses for us. Or you can find areas for us. You can look up the history, things like that, man. So don't worry about, uh, you know, they expect me to go out into the field all the time because we certainly don't. Even if you are a part of the team, there's no set amount of time that you've got to go out to the field. Um, no matter where your area of expertise is, you can always help us out. So with that being said, uh, tonight I have with me Matthew John. How you doing, Matthew? Great. Thanks for having me, Joe. Yeah, man, it was great, man. I I don't remember if I found you on TikTok first or on Instagram first, but uh, I know I wind up messaging you on Instagram, dude. I, yeah. I really like your stuff. I actually checked out some of your uh, your YouTube videos too, man. It was very right. cool, and uh, so I was like, I, I I just knew I had to have you on. So thanks a lot, man, for the communication, and we've had a chance to talk. So yeah, I really do appreciate that a lot, man, a lot. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, so um, you know, I have in your title spiritual teacher and mentor, but you're so yeah. much more, right? You're so mm -hmm. much more. That's what really impressed me, dude. You cover a large variety man you know uh, what got you into all of this oh yeah i mean <laughs> well you know it's obviously been quite a journey uh i really was an atheist for most of my upbringing and my teenage years and uh you know i had a few glimpses when i was younger of especially just being really really interested in the stars you know that was when I look back, like the biggest thing I can remember. But really in my 20s, I, you know, kind of unknowingly, <laughs> like the fool card in the tarot, you know, stepped off of the proverbial cliff and into this uh, spiritual awakening journey. Um, you know, I, I always like to share on uh, new shows that I'm on because it's a great story. You know, there was one experience for me that really was the hallmark of the beginning of my awakening. And, you know, after that, I could never turn back. And it was actually uh, a mushroom trip that uh, I didn't even plan on taking. It was uh, it was a Friday night in downtown Buffalo, New York, and I had just you know it happened to have ingested a few mushrooms before. I went out to the bars that night, and I was alone, and I just the mushrooms started kicking in, and I just you know I was like, all right, I, this this bar environment's not really doing it for me, and I just started wandering just walking through the streets and I started feeling like I was being led or even being like pushed. Like there was like this higher force kind of almost controlling my movement. And I found myself led to this clearing behind some bars. And it looked like a, it was this circle and it looked like the space where homeless people maybe were sleeping and maybe teenagers were having parties and bonfires. But I was literally like pushed to the ground by some, higher forest, you know, my soul, we could say, or higher self. And um, as I laid there, I looked up at the trees all around me and um, on a, every leaf, every corner of every leaf became this golden uh, bubble. And in every one of like ornaments, like tree ornaments, and every time I talk about it, I can see it in my third eye. And in every one of these golden ornaments, I saw a different self, a, a different version of self. And I in that moment, even though I knew really nothing about extraterrestrials or, or past lives outside of like watching Star Trek and be like, oh, that's interesting. You know, I, I just in that moment had this real experience of like, wow, I can feel, I can experience just for this moment, all these different aspects of me, some from other lifetimes here on earth, and then some from outside of this earth. And it was a true multidimensional experience. It was a true experience of my multidimensionality and after that experience i i can never go back and i that's what began this journey now that has lasted you know a decade and a half of seeking and it'll be the rest of my life here on earth of seeking and that seeking you know eventually turned to teaching because i have you know read thousands of books and i've i've talked to thousands and thousands of people over the years in my work. 
I've done hundreds and hundreds of past life regressions and regressions leading people through the astral planes to um, their home planet or, or their home planets, you know, in, in this galaxy or in different galaxies. And I've, you know, led people through the experience of healing their traumas that come from past lives that come from childhood. And, you know, it just continues and my work is always evolving, but I guess that's a little synopsis. I, I certainly didn't plan on being in this position. I, I would have much rather have been an entertainer to be quite honest, a comedian or something like that. But this is where, where God put me. So this is what yeah. what's yeah. meant to be. Well, dude, I mean, I, I think you're doing great. So I applaud you for Thank that. You. And I, yeah. And I see that a lot of people follow you and, and, that's, yeah. and that's great. And, uh, People have a lot of good things to say about you when you read Thank the comments you. and stuff. So, dude, that's 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 telling in of, of itself. So, Thank so you. congratulations on that. Yeah, you know, my journey started late in life. I'm, I'm 51, but it started about three years ago. And believe it or not, it was just Bigfoot for me, right? That's all. It yeah. And yeah. Then, uh, like I said, three years ago, it started. It start. I started doing more spiritual stuff, you know, um, and it, it it led to me buying tarot cards and yeah. cards and crystals, yeah. right? And pendulums. And it, I would have never thought that I would be doing all this stuff right now. And I'm, right. I'm not good right. at, at all of it just yet, but I've yeah. so much. And uh, I mean, I, I remember being a teenager and like seeing this stuff on TV, like my memories of, you know, tarot. And, and now I'm a, I'm a master at the tarot and I teach it, but my memories of the tarot growing up was like seeing the Miss Cleo ads on TV. Right. And just me and my friends laughing about it, you know. Like, Call me now for your free reading, you know. Right. And, and it was just a joke, right? But then I never would have thought someday, oh, my God, this would be my whole life. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, I, I used to make fun of people that believed in that kind of stuff. Same, yeah. <laughs> so, but, and you know what? I, I'm glad that I've opened up my eyes a little bit, you know, and I'm not just talking about physical, you know. Yeah, yeah. This, this eye right here, right? Yeah, that eye right there. <laughs> um, so... What actually got you like interested first? Was it past lives first? Was it like yeah, okay. the past lives was actually one of my uh, first interests. So uh, I remember well over a decade ago, I was first starting to get into this stuff. I I had started to see a life coach. I had started to like discover Reiki, and I found on Craigslist an ad for a past life regression. I'm like, oh, that sounds interesting. So I was like screw it, let me try it. And I went into this woman's office and laid down and three hours went by like that. It felt like 30 minutes. I couldn't believe when I woke up that it was three hours. And during that time, I, you know, during, she led me on a regression and I visited all these different past lives. Most of them were pretty unpleasant. Like, you know, seeing myself as this like Mongolian child and having the village get raided and just the most horrific things that can happen happen um you know right in front of you as a three-year-old child and then like just other really awful lifetimes but you know there was also this glimpse into this really like kind of magical looking positive lifetime that now I, when i look back i believe it was my lemurian at least one of my lemurian lifetimes so past lives yeah, from the very beginning of my spiritual awakening journey was a big interest. And shortly after that, I was so inspired by this one, you know, um, past life regression that I had done on me that I, at that time, I had taken a life coaching course and I loved it. And I'm like, oh my God, this is awesome. I want to do this. I want to help people. I, I was always just very good at talking to people and being a good listener. And this was perfect. But after doing that past life regression, I'm like, you know, I want to do more spiritual kind of stuff, right? So I started learning Reiki and then I started actually just kind of intuitively, you know, trying out on my life coaching clients like, hey, you want to try like a past life regression? And I tried a couple of past life regressions and I loved it and, and, and it worked. And I was like, wow, I can't believe that I'm actually good at this. And so that from early on was a big part of my work. And it's still to this day, either my favorite or one of my favorite things out of the many things that I can do for people is to just, you know, take an hour or two hours or three hours and lead them on a regression journey through different lives. It's fascinating. Yeah. Do you have anyone that you've done that was that, that, 
that's more memorable oh there's there's a there's a lot i mean you know there's there's a person um that she saw herself uh as a nephilim as a nephilim yeah uh in in egyptian times you know very very tall nine and a half ten feet tall uh yeah um there was uh, there have been several where people have experienced and experienced themselves as ghosts where when they passed away they didn't go to the other side they and it was like one example is i remember doing a regression for someone that they had been uh like a, a mobster um and they were murdered and they instead of going to the other side they spent like two decades after that hanging out in the office like the the office in the back of i know it sounds so stereotypical like the movie casino but this is what it was in the regression like you know in the back of a a deli and uh just watching over what everyone else was doing until one of his best friends was murdered and then together angels came and helped them to go to the other side so it's those are some of the more interesting ones where people saw themselves as ghosts and you know the reasons why they didn't cross over it it usually had to do with you know like the the mobster guy he was afraid to leave his business behind so he chose not to go over because he was so worried about what because that was his life he had no close relationships he didn't have a great relationship with women he kind of used women and so that was all he really cared about was the illegal business he was running and so he decided to just hang out for decades you know as a ghost and then other times like you know someone didn't want to leave their husband or wife behind so they hung out as a ghost until the their spouse passed away and then they went together so those are really interesting ones um another uh really interesting aspect of past life regressions that i've seen a few times is people that found themselves on different timelines so you and i and debbie and terry and everyone else that's uh you know watching this and 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 joining in we're we're all on the same timeline obviously because we could interact with each other right but there is the theory that there are parallel timelines on earth and i i didn't used to believe in that i thought that was kind of silly but now i really do and part of the reason why I really do believe in it now is just because of this experience with some of these past life regressions where people literally saw themselves in lifetimes where the earth looked, it was definitely the earth. It wasn't like my starseed regression sessions I do for people where it's clearly another planet. It was earth, but it was different. There was something very different about it. And we both got the perception that it was actually a parallel timeline. So that's pretty fascinating as well. So, you know, the the past life regressions um, and the starseed sessions that I've done over the years, and, and I've done, you know, probably close to a thousand, is they, they've helped me to really see how unlimited the possibilities are, just as how one can exist. People have seen themselves as trees. People have seen themselves as animals. You know, there's just an unlimited sort of possibilities of, of how we can exist. Yeah, that's, you know, that's really interesting because I was actually going to ask you that uh, particular question about animals. Do animals have past lives? But I Definitely. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, uh, your, your dog, your cat definitely has past lives. So the idea is, uh, you know, that there's a ladder of ascension. And first of all, that term ascension, what does that mean? You know, just to really kind of distill it down, ascension is the process of stepping up vibrationally through repeated experience. So you are a soul, and as a soul, you are in this lifetime temporarily inhabiting this body, right? Temporarily playing as this ego personality, this identity, right? But you have you've done many before and you've done many after so the idea is ascension is you're going up a step ladder of consciousness a step ladder of vibration and the idea is that it the lowest level we could say we could call it like the first density would be 
plants. And now plants are very intelligent. Plants are very smart. There's a lot to learn about plants from plants. I hug my trees all the time. I'm sure my neighbors think I'm crazy. I'm always outside three in the morning. You're a tree hugger. <laughs> right? You know, and I love when I'm, I'm planting flower. I just love interacting with plants. I have house plants everywhere. So, you know, they're very intelligent. They're very present, but it's a less complex experience. So the way I look at the ladder of, of ascension is that as you go up, the experiences and the possible themes that you can explore as a consciousness get more complex. So, you know, to, to uh, a, a plant, to a flower, to a tree, there's, you exist and, and that's about it. You exist and you procreate, right? But now we get into the second density where we get into the animal kingdom and think about, you know, the complexity of the life of an ant, for example, where an ant is really a part of a collective and it's just doing whatever what everyone else is doing. There's not much lessons of individuality. It's just kind of a very workmanlike life, you know, just kind of working all the time. And, uh, you know, the difference between the complexity of the life of an ant versus the life of a bear or the life of a wolf or the life of a, of a dog or a cat, right? Or a, a swan, you know, or a penguin. So as you get up the ladder of ascension in the animal kingdom, you get more complex lives. And it usually comes along with a more complex nervous system, uh, you know, higher intelligence, you know, pigs are extremely intelligent, intelligent dogs are extremely intelligent, bears are extremely intelligent. Right. And they can do a lot of human type, you know, problem solving things. Right. And then after the animal kingdom, we get to the human kingdom, which is the third dimension or the third density. Right. And even in the human kingdom, there's a whole range where the idea is that perhaps we may even decide, you know, at the beginning of the third density to live a very primitive type life. Like, you know, even Neanderthal timelines, perhaps just to get a taste of what it's like to be in this bipedal human body and then move on to more complex lives of exploring, you know, themes of family and society and, and work and career and, uh, and, you know, pleasure versus pain and all that stuff. So the idea is that it's a ladder essentially, but the caveat being is that for those that are, there's two types of souls on the planet. There's star seeds and there's non-star seeds or, or earth seeds. Star seed souls essentially means your soul has already gone through the ascension process way past the third density or dimension somewhere else up to a point where you're able to what's called fractalize so you you reach this the the sixth sixth density or higher the idea is that you now have so much energy to draw upon because you're actually part of a collective your soul has now plugged into an entire collective you have so much energy to draw upon that you can what's called fractalize yourself you can basically create a new piece of self direct with focus and tension that piece of self somewhere else and then that be, becomes a sovereign soul versus a non-star seed would be a soul that is native to the earth realm and has gone up through the ladder of ascension as a soul and now reached the third density and we're at this point in the collective timeline where there's this merging essentially where the star seeds up until now have really been at the leading edge of the revolution of consciousness you know Looking back, you know, in, into the 20th century, the Babas and the gurus and the spiritual leaders, you know, those are likely all star seeds. Now there's so many, you know, and the internet has proliferated, you know, millions and millions of spiritual teachers, and there's so many books now. And most of these are star seeds, but we're at a point where the earth seeds or the non-star seeds are starting to evolve very quickly now and kind of match up vibrationally. And that's how the planetary ascension will end up taking place so and a lot of this by the way um i like to credit my, my good friend uh, todd Deviney. he um authored uh, two amazing books called expansion for ascending consciousness book one and book two and uh, his model of of the vibrational ladder uh was like a light bulb that went off in my head when i read it you know eight years ago now um so i kind of, i've kind of adapted my model off of his okay cool um, real quick, Debbie has a question. Yeah. How many lives does one person use? Oh, that's a great question, Debbie. So it really varies, but what I found doing my readings and past life regressions over the years, it's usually in the hundreds to, I, if I had to give it a range, I'd say the most common number is between 400 and 1500 lives on earth. But that doesn't take into account if you're a star seed, 
the numbers could be astronomical as far as how many incarnations elsewhere. We really are quite infinite in reality. But as far as Earth, human incarnations, that's kind of the range I've found to be most common. That, yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, or really interesting about the about the star seeds, actually. Um, what can you tell me about the star seed regressions? Yeah, so those are so much fun. You know, in the star seed uh, regressions, I, I call them star seed discovery sessions. So I, it's a similar process of, you know, a regression is essentially getting someone, leading someone down into their subconscious. And through the subconscious, we have access to what's called the Akashic Records. The Akashic Records are, are the the records of everything that exists, everything that ever will exist, everything that is, it, it's not necessarily a physical place, but it's a place, it, it, we can think of it as a plane that we can access. Just like when we dream at night, we access a different plane than in our waking reality. So through the process of regression, we're stepping someone down in so they can really access that subconscious mind and get out there and see different aspects of self that are uh, not just localized to you know, this physical body in this lifetime. So when we lead someone on a star, and I say we, I mean me, when, when, I, when I lead someone on a star seed discovery session, you know, what I'm doing is I'm directing them to wherever their soul came from before here. And those are wild rides, you know. Uh, people can go to Syrian realms, Pleiadian realms, Arcturian realms, uh, and, you know, all sorts of different realms from the Andromeda galaxy, Blue Avian realms, Lyran realms, uh, or Lyran, uh, Vagan realms, uh, Cassiopeia, and there's just almost, well, there really is infinite, but there's so many that are even common, uh, the, the Yael, the, uh, the, the Zeta Reticulans, um, the, uh, uh, the Mantis beings. So, I mean, you know, it's, it's pretty wild. You know, I, I think of like Syrian realms cause I know myself as a Syrian star seed and you know, the, the Syrian planets, some are, uh, almost completely water. And some are, um, you know, part water, part land. And like the water uh, portions, for example, a lot of times people see these uh, underwater cities that are active where there's these big bubbles, essentially, when within these bubbles, there's these cities, right? And the beings have adapted where they can, you know, breathe in both in and out of water, but they live in these kind of bubbles. And then on the surface of the planet, you're these cities are all made out of crystals, all the buildings made out of quartz. And a lot of the, uh, the people choose to live kind of just underground, just underneath the surface in these quartz crystal caves. And uh, the, you know, the people, they, they look very blue. A lot of people think they kind of look like the avatar, you know, beings, but they have no hair. Um, so, and the, you know, the Syrians are masters of, of using crystals. So everything, is made out of quartz and everything they do they use quartz supposedly the syrians were the extraterrestrials that facilitate that basically assisted the atlanteans the after the fall of atlantis and lemuria twelve thousand years ago supposedly after that there was an exodus of you know well before the 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 great floods there's an exodus of you know tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of atlantean humans that went to egypt uh, up the nile and the Syrians assisted them in building the pyramids, supposedly. You know, if, if we look at, you know, if we're very objective, it, it's hard to see, you know, how humans with supposedly primitive technology, as we're taught in our textbooks, you know, in the modern day, could have possibly built those, those uh, incredible structures, right? Um, but, you know, people see themselves as Pleiadians. Pleiadian beings are... Uh, very angelic, like they look like humans, except they're usually very like strikingly attractive, striking blue eyes and and blonde hair, and uh, they wear these spacesuits with these symbols, usually right here, kind of like Star Trek, where they have the, the little you know Federation thing right there. And uh, the Pleiadians are are they live very much integrated with with the the land where they they love having these like earth homes built into the hills built into the grounds they have community farming they raise their children communally they're very peaceful beings they have really uh peaceful relationships with all the animals around them you have the arcturians the arcturians are generally seen as the shorter kind of dark kind of indigo to navy sort of color 
and they're really kind of serious, like a Capricorn energy or a Virgo energy, but they're incredibly like brilliant instantly. They're like calculators. They can calculate the most um, insane algebraic, you know, computations just instantly. And they, they grid their cities in these perfect geometric patterns and they're obsessed with geometry and they use sound. They, they obsess, are obsessed with sound uh, frequency, you know, to, to move things around and to, uh, to heal the body. You know, they've learned to instantly heal the body through sound frequency. It goes on and on. There, there's just so many different types of, um, you know, star uh, collectives out there. And, uh, you know, I've been doing these star regressions for quite a while now. So I have hundreds and hundreds of accounts of people seeing themselves on these other planets. Right. Yeah. You know, so when I started meditating, like I said, this is all like three years ago. And of course, I, I couldn't do it at first because I had a million things running through my mind. Uh, but once I was able to like calm down and start to actually meditate, uh, there was a couple of things that I saw that really kind of freaked me out. And I don't mean like scared yeah. anything, but it was like, you know, um, I saw a woman that was blue. Yeah. You know, and then I saw a city that was made, it looked like it was made out of metal, you know, and I don't know where this was at, but it looked real enough. You know, It, it and, uh, certainly could have been Syrian. I mean, the blue is indicative of, of Syrian potentially and the cities I there's you know I, I've had many people and myself you know regress to Sirius Sirius um, and Sirius is a star by the way and there's Sirius A Sirius B and also probably Sirius C it seems uh, so there's all sorts of planets you know around those three stars so each one is gonna look a little bit different but some of them yet yeah, the the, um, the the towers in the city can actually look a little more metallic because they're so shiny right. but they're really made out of some sort of crystal they, they they would use crystal for everything rather than than metal but yeah it certainly could reflect off of the off of the sun and you know on the syrian planets you're going to see two stars you're going to see dual stars and maybe a third if sirius c is real which i believe it is um so yeah, that very well could have been Syrian. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. I haven't seen it since. It's been an, at least a year. So, but um, it's okay. all the time that they have visitations from what looks like extraterrestrials in meditation, in dream, in their dream space, even in waking reality. I mean, I you, a couple it was like what six years ago now I was visited by a uh, a, a blue avian. By a blue avian being uh the blue avians for reference they uh this is what thoth was thoth thoth was a blue avian right from okay. uh, from egyptian lore um the, the the beak right and the blue avians are very very high dimensional very powerful beings and i i was just not even thinking of anything you know to the sort i was just you know like we do you know i was taking a shower and like we do we're just thinking about all these different things we have to do or problems to solve or whatever. And then I just get out of the shower and I, there's just this, you know, I'm seeing it with my third eye. There's this massive blue being with wings standing in front of me. I just feel overcome by this like orgasmic sense of peace and bliss, you know, and the, and then after a couple seconds, you know, I said, hi, you know, hello, hi. And then after eight or 10 seconds faded away. So people tell me stories like that all the time. And a lot of people or most people would think those are crazy stories, but I believe every one of them because I've experienced this sort of stuff. Right, yeah. You know, um, uh, so before I get to Terry's comment, when you mentioned the, the trees and stuff and you hug the tree, where I go out and I do my research for my Bigfoot stuff, there's a tree that I always go visit. <laughs> yeah. I always give it water. I always go give it water when I visit. Yeah. I kind of talk to it you know exactly you can you can talk to it you can the the trees have seen more than anyone you know that right. like like in your neighborhood the the trees they're the guardians of the neighborhood and think about how much they've seen you know the older trees in your neighborhood the ones that are 40 80 120 years old they've seen life change dramatically in generations right. 
come and go. They they hold the stories and the wisdom of everything. And the ones that are in the forest, the same. They've seen generations of all sorts of different animals come and go, right? And they know, like, yeah, they know where the, the Sasquatch are because they're, the right. they're always watching, you know? Terry's comment is trees are wise beings. I have several stories of wise trees being best friends yeah. with psychedelics. Yeah, yeah. One, one tree taught one tree taught a child. Yeah, mother. beautiful. They are they are very, very wise. Um, and I, I can always sense whether and I, you know, I, I'm curious if other people have had this experience, but I can always sense whether a tree has a more feminine or a more masculine vibration. And I kind of refer to them as such, like, oh, you know, either being a girl or a boy. Um, and, you know, I just, every tree is, is unique and it just has a unique um, vibe to it, you know. Everything is alive, you know. When when you're, you're spiritually awake and psychically where you realize that the whole world is alive and then there's this also, also this whole spirit world that we're not even seeing that is also totally alive. There's angels and demons and ghosts and there's just everything every there's beings everywhere that we don't even see and people that are aren't really open to this stuff no wonder you know i have empathy for these people but no wonder people you know suffer with depression suffer with a a sense of of doom or 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 you know that just the end is coming or that there's no purpose to life i mean if if you only believe that you're born you live once and you die which i used to believe you know at least when i was a teenager as i said i start as an atheist you know i can understand why people walk around depressed and why people you know only only kind of live to you know experience fleeting pleasures or to accumulate money um or to accumulate some sort of accolades or fame and don't really think about you know the effect that they're having and how can we help how can we help others how can we help the planet you know how can we be as one so I, I get it. But yeah, when you're open, you, you understand everything's alive. Yeah. You know, even crystals, crystals are alive. You know, I mean, look, look at this beautiful, you know, amethyst wand. This, this amethyst wand has a story. It probably came from a mine in, in Brazil and, but it has a, a whole ancient history and it's seen and it's, you know, things over thousands of years, you know, uh, and now it, it was supposed to come to me and help me on my journey, you know? Yeah, and I like that you said that helped you on your journey. Yeah, because that's how I kind of feel about my stuff. I kind of feel that it came to me. Yeah, too, so I, yeah. just I, like pets do. You know, we never truly choose a, a a dog or a cat to be a companion. They choose us. You know? Right. And, and the same with, with crystals and pendulums and everything. And it's a great way when you actually like consciously get that. You know, then it's it's a lot of fun. You go to a, a metaphysical shop or a crystal shop and just. What, what speaks to me? So I do that when I go to, I also do that with art. I'm, I, I love collecting paintings and, you know, anytime I go to an art gallery, it's the same. It's like, what speaks to me? What's supposed to, to come to me? And it's a great way to go about life. You know, everything is in its yeah. rightful place. Yeah. I, I did that with my tarot and my oral. Yeah. Card. Yeah. Same. Like, yeah. Which, that's it. Yeah. Which one is going to call me? Which right. One is right. Gonna, yeah, like yeah. So, you know, you, you've got a lot of like, uh, great energy and you've talked about like peace and bliss have you ever been scared doing this has anything ever like disturbed uh sure yeah i mean there have been a few uh weird experiences i mean you know i i, I don't want to say scared um because i i think i'm really good at handling at you know everything um because i I've always intuitively known that the the way to handle everything is from a place of love and from a place of kind of non-judgment. And so when I'm in my, now, you know, look, when I'm not at work, so to speak, sure, can I get caught up in judgment or fear about the world once in a while? Yeah, as everyone does. But when I'm in my work, I'm pretty good at staying pretty centered and but yeah, I mean, there's all sorts of weird stuff that have happened, you know, weird entities, you know, on, in someone's aura, um, the greys come trying to trick people during the starseed sessions, you know, to uh, uh, come with them, you know, and I'm like, no, no, the, we're not going with these guys. These are the greys. These are, they're trying to trick you. Um, you know, people that have had really 
you know, people that have told me abduction stories, those are pretty frightening. I have to say gray abduction stories are very frightening. Um, and I, you know, it, it's an awful experience. No one would ever want to experience a, a true gray abduction. So those are pretty frightening. Demon attacks people have told me about are pretty frightening. Um, you know, ghost encounters that have been really scary. Um, you know, black magic stuff can be a bit frightening and, uh, you know, that's all real. And, but you know, it, when I'm at work, I, I don't, I don't, I, I truly don't fall into the fear because I, I know how I need to be. I'm, I'm a shaman, you know, so I, I know that I need to stay centered, but the stories, yeah, can be a bit frightening. So what do you do for yourself to keep yourself centered? Oh, um, well, I, you know, I have to say, um, Ayahuasca was such a great teacher for me because, um, you know, I, when I was in Brazil, I I spent a lot of time doing ayahuasca, um, probably over 40 times. And, you know, each time was a, a learning lesson. And when you're on ayahuasca, the everything is so amplified, right? So if you have one negative thought of fear, you will start to spiral into fear. And if you have a thought of love, you will spiral into love. So I, I learned like through practice in ayahuasca, like if you, as soon as you start getting into fear, you're going to be on the ground before you know it, like either puking or kind of writhing and, you know, like you're being attacked. And, and I would see people, you know, that, that would be doing that. And I, I would sometimes see with my third eye, like, you know, cause in the, um, setting that I was doing ayahuasca, you know, it was in a church and people were in rows. It was called a kalhanchi or a current, right? Where basically the idea is the energy runs through all the people because they're sitting together. And I would see demons like snakes or spiders or um, all sorts of different kind of scary manifestations once in a while just start to lead their way through the current and you would feel the vibration drop dramatically in the group right and then i would just be psychically like when i i learned you cannot be afraid of these things you just face them forward and you just are if you're curious about them with love they don't know they, they only know how to operate off fear demons and negative entities only know how to operate off fear they can only take advantage of you if you fall into the fear trap so to speak so if you just come at them with like hello Nice to meet you. Thanks for coming. And then just emit a vibration of love. So I would just start chanting in my head, love, 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 or Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, or God, God, or in, or in Portuguese, Deus, 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 Deus. And, you know, it would clear. And so I, I, I guess ayahuasca was a great teacher for me for that. And I was one of the best things I took from those experiences was, you know, because it really teaches you the hard way that, um, and, you know, this is all kind of a mental game in life. And uh, when our, our thoughts are negative or, you know, our vibrations are negative, we're going to end up finding our experience of life, be more focused into negative things for the most part. And then when we're more positive, our focus is going to be more on the positive thing. So when you encounter something negative or dark, you know, if you're a shaman or something, you know, shamans know this, you, you, you can't come at it with fear ever. You just like, okay, all right, hello. You just know you're the light. You're centered in the light. You know you're walking as the light. And the negative beings are at a very low vibration. And they they really can't tolerate the light. They'll just leave. They'll just leave. That's what happens. And they'll go somewhere else. It's only if someone is experiencing fear that they can continue to feed, basically. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But practical tools... I, I use crystals. I, I, I always have crystal, you know, crystals on me, around me in any any sort of work that I'm doing, you know. Um, so crystals. And also I use things like the violet flame. You know, through using your third eye, you imagine yourself in a like, like a bonfire of violet light, essentially. That's called the violet flame. You could use that on other people to help clean their auras. You could use it on anything to clean anything. I use white light, you know, surrounding myself in white light, surrounding the other in white light. I use sage. I use Palo Santo. 
I, you know, and then if I'm doing like clearing work on someone's aura, I have, you know, methods for clearing. So I have, there's a methodology and there's a lot of tools as well. Um, and when you have tools, you definitely just feel more confident, you know, in general. Uh, right. Even even when I was doing ayahuasca, I always had crystals in my pocket. And if I ever started to get that twinge of fear, I would, you know, hold one of my crystals. And so, yeah, have, having tools and working with crystals, I've always found very helpful. Yeah, I've got a smoky quartz in my truck. And even when I'm driving, I have the white light around. Yeah. Me. And I've got uh, crystal in my backpack, and of course I got crystals behind. Yeah, they, they carry a vibration, and, and if you if you got crystals around you, it's just you know you're, you're hedging your bets where it's going to be more likely that you're going to kind of walk through life in, in in more gracefully, you know, have an easier kind of uh, path of it than if you're carrying like negative vibrations with you, you know. Right, and you know when you talked about like like some of the negative stuff earlier. Um, so I had like a hex put on me and I didn't know it at first. And a friend of mine, he lived in South Carolina and he called me from South Carolina. He says, Hey, Stacy, which is his wife, he goes, she's thinking about you and she needs to ask you some stuff. She's really sick thinking about you. And I'm like, okay. And that's what actually started my, my journey. Cause she started naming all the stuff that was happening <laughs> to me. Cause I was in a bad spot. I was, I was really bad. And, She's like, this is what's going on with you. And she said, do you know this person? And she said the name. I was like, yep. Wow. And that person would definitely do that. Yeah. Black magic is very real and, and it's it's scary, but there's always a way out of it. You know, there's always a way to defend yourself or to, you know, really the best ways to just eliminate, to neutralize the magic and free yourself from it, you know? And uh, I so bad... I so badly wanted to get back at that person. Yeah, but, that, <laughs> but that's the thing to avoid. So in yeah. Wicca, and I, I'm a Wiccan, there's a, the rule of three, where essentially, right. yeah, anything you do that's like out of a desire to hurt will come back on you three times worse. Right? Yeah. So yeah. I've, I've, got like, yeah. I've got like like three books on, on Wicca. Yeah. And like I said, dude, all this stuff, I've never thought I would be doing. Yeah. But that 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 negative event in my life, I got to be thankful for it because it set me on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, for everyone that it's going to be something different, that's kind of the thing that, you know, for me, it was mushrooms, you know, and then, you know, really after that, it was a breakup uh, that that I had in in my early 20s that just, you know, I was just depressed and lost and confused. And so I went even deeper. But it's like for everyone, you know, there's something. Some people, it's a car accident. Some people, it's cancer. Some people, it's a breakup. Some people... You know, it's like just this fascination with uh, trying to, you know, find UFOs or trying to find Bigfoot or trying to, you know, speaking of Bigfoot, like I've always been, you know, I know I talked to talk to you about this like a little bit privately. I've always been fascinating as well. I, I've, you know, I've been a longtime fan and listener of Coast to Coast, my all time favorite radio show. And they talk about, you know, Bigfoot all the time. And boy, I would love to find one myself, you know. <laughs> I really do, you know, you know, you know, you and I talked about that and we talked about what I think, think it is. Right. And I told you, I thought I'm, I'm still more on the flesh and blood. Right. Side, but I do incorporate some spirituality when I go out now, though, too. So, I, you know, you know, because because I want to see one. But. You and I wonder, I wonder, it's like and I don't know, but I just wonder it's like, you know, it seems like most Bigfoot researchers are it's like. You're, you're trying to find this um, unicorn and we're treating them almost like they're, uh, you know, like like a, a freak at a, um, you know, at a circus in the 1920s or whatever, right? You know, like, like oh my God, we got to see the Bigfoot. We got to see the freak. I wonder if people, and I don't know, came at it with more of a sense of like, you know, I want love. Like, I want to, I want to connect. I want to know, you know. Well, you know, people have you had go, those You get eaten by one, you know. So don't listen to me, but... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm back with my arm ripped off. Thanks a lot. You're like, this is what you, you tell me to do. Yeah, yeah. Does it look like love to you? I wonder. I wonder. <laughs> yeah. So one more thing I wanted to touch on was astrology. Oh, yeah. Sure. And so... so 
when it comes to astrology, how does that affect our everyday lives? Oh my God, it, it affects every every part of our lives and we just don't really know it. A great example is, um, you know, for everyone watching live or watching in the days following this, we're just, you know, exiting a Mercury retrograde period, right? We're, we're actually the Mercury station direct on, uh, on Sunday, May 14th. And, you know, when Mercury stations... Uh, either retrograde or direct, it, it has the most powerful impact and it causes the most problems, the most disruptions. You know, Mercury retrograde began right, um, SpaceX was doing a launch like right the day before or two days or something before Mercury station retrograde when it was super powerful and they, they had to cancel the launch like with nine seconds left. And, and then they tried it again a couple days later and it blew up. You know, and it's like, you wonder if they actually had an astrologer on staff, like maybe they would have been like, oh, maybe we should, you know, try it a different time, you know, I don't know. But um, they, just Mercury retrograde, whether you are aware of it or not, it affects your everyday life. It's during Mercury retrograde periods, you will have miscommunications with others via email, via text message. People will misinterpret what you're saying. You'll misinterpret what others are saying. Your car will break down. Flights will be delayed. You know, electronics will, will go awry. You know, all sorts of communication-related stuff will, will happen, whether you believe in it or, or not. And it's fun when you do believe in it because and know about it because then you can see it. Like, I'm, you know, this is kind of like a, a mundane 3D um, uh, representation of it, but I, I'm a big sports guy, so, you know, like, the Mets and the Nationals on uh, on Saturday, they had this four-hour rain delay, and they, everyone was going crazy on Twitter and, and on the broadcast because the Nationals weren't communicating anything to people, and it wasn't raining, and yet they were keeping the tarp on. And then after four hours of not telling anyone anything, they go out and they're having all these conversations. They decide they can't play, and they're going to pick it up again tomorrow. So it's just like, you know, even in sports, uh, the, you know, during the NBA, the NHL playoffs, so many times during the Mercury retrograde, the scoreboard went out or the, the bug at the bottom of the screen, the time, you know, uh, stopped working or so that's Mercury retrograde. And then it's like, okay, you look at what season we're in. Well, we've been in Taurus season. Taurus season is a time when we naturally want to connect with the earth and connect with uh, plants and animals and, and be out in nature, connect with nature. It's a time where we focus on money and finances. We move to Gemini season in a couple days. And Gemini season, you know, it's more about uh, getting to know new people and learning new things. It's all things involved with learning and communication. It's very mental time. So it, from the sun to the moon to where Mercury, Venus, and Mars, and Jupiter, and the outer planets are, this week, we have a, a really important configuration, one of the most important of the year, where Jupiter is squaring Pluto. A square in astrology is a 90-degree configuration. Jupiter, uh, Pluto is going retrograde. It's moving back uh, in, in Aquarius, and it's going to re-enter Capricorn soon. And Jupiter is uh, has just entered into Taurus, uh, or it will, it will just enter into Taurus uh, um, tomorrow. And this square going on now, it's it's very heavy and contentious. Jupiter and Pluto are really heavyweight planets, and they really affect the, the collective, the outer world more than the inner world. And, you know, it's an interesting time to look to world events. You know, Jupiter, uh, Jupiter and Pluto can be very violent. They can, you know, natural disasters can even happen. Uh, you know, sort of uh, big, like, stories in the news about... Uh, scandals and, and things like that. And so, it, it, you know, it's an interesting time this week to see what happens. Uh, a, a great example of like Jupiter's effect most recently, Jupiter up until, you know, it moves to Taurus uh, in, a, in a couple days, it has been in Aries. World War II began with Jupiter in Aries and uh, the war in Ukraine began right before Jupiter entered into Aries, but it got way worse when Jupiter was in Aries and there was like no end in sight. Now with Jupiter entering Taurus, it might actually be a positive thing because Jupiter and Taurus is more of a cordial, more of a diplomatic energy to it. And there's a, uh, astrologically, it's a strong possibility, I think over the next six months that there is some sort of resolution actually in the war, but it would have never happened with Jupiter and Aries because Aries is, 
you know, an aggressive Martian violent energy where Taurus is very chill, you know, structured, stable, calm energy, right? So astrology really create, it's not necessarily predictive, but what astrology does, it creates a template. It creates a template for possibilities, both in the outer world and the inner world. Then in, in the inner world, what you do is you take your natal chart. Your natal chart is a snapshot of where the planets were in relation to each other when you were born, at the moment you were born. And that natal chart essentially creates your personality. You know, if I, if you tell me your, your rising sign and your sun sign, I'm going to kind of know, you know, how you go about life and who you are just from that. And then if we look deeper into your, uh, you know, your, your Mercury, and your Venus, and your Mars, and then your houses and your nodes, you know, I can, so I love doing astrology readings. I, I do them almost every day in my work for people um, because we can tell so much about someone's personality and also about their potential future. But, you know, on the personal level, you, you kind of um, overlay the natal chart with where the planets are now. That's what you get what's called transit. So, you know, when, you know, Mars, you know, transits your sixth house, watch out, you know, watch out for accidents or Uranus transits your sixth house, watch out for accidents or whatever. When, you know, when Jupiter transits your second house, you may find yourself coming into money. You know, there's all sorts of different manifestations that when, when the transits happen, that there's a higher probability of things or less probability of things happening in your life, but it is a template and it's not necessarily predictive. And we do have free will. We absolutely have free will to essentially take the possibilities and probabilities and either go in that direction or go against them. Good, good. Um, so I'm a Scorpio. What do I need to watch? Out? <laughs> I'm a Scorpio too, you know? Okay. So, you know, <laughs> being a Scorpio sun, you know, and, and the sun is just one, you know, that's, that's the part of astrology that most people know about, right? Most people know like, okay, you know, I'm a Scorpio or I'm a Libra or whatever. Um, but it goes so much deeper. And actually, you know, in, in ancient times, it was actually the rising sign or the ascendant that was more important than the sun sign. And certainly, Joe, you know, if you'd like, uh, sometime, you know, outside of this podcast, we can I can do an astrology reading for you, no charge. Yeah, um, but, uh, you know, as a Scorpio sun, generally our, our life is about um, searching and researching and investigating and trying to understand... And as Scorpios, we generally navigate the light and the dark in some way or another. Scorpios generally have this sort of life where there's a lot of times of depression, dark nights of the soul, you know, having to move through really difficult stuff. And then the other thing is, is sex. Sex is a big part of being a Scorpio because Scorpio rules over sex. So we, we tend to be either very alluring or we tend to have a lot of different relationships or sex becomes very important in our, in our relationships or there's different lessons that come through the context of sex because Scorpio, you know, the main things it rules over is sex, uh, you know, transformation, death and rebirth, uh, taxes, inheritances, and uh, investi investigations, investigating things. You're an investigator. You're, you know, that's your, your your career. That's perfect for a Scorpio. You know, a Scorpio in like uh, uh, a career where they're investigating things. You know, and I investigate. My career is about trying to figure out everything. Trying to figure out, you know, how life works, how the universe works. Figuring out all these different ET races. Figuring out past lives. You know, and then for you, you know, at least for now, and maybe your career will expand in the future. Who knows, right? You know, your your a Scorpio will keep going they won't quit they there's a tenacity they will continue to investigate until they uncover what you know they're looking for yeah i mean i'm a typical scorpio all yeah. the way <laughs> yeah <laughs> but we can look at you know your ascendant and your moon sign and we can look at your houses we can look at your north node and your south node to see you know what your soul's destiny is in this lifetime you know where your soul came from in past lives uh, there's so much. And, and then there's people that do specific like niche astrology where they'll do medical astrology where they can actually look at, you know, your, the planets and the houses and, and look at, you know, when medical issues are likely to arrive, when they're, they'll resolve financial astrology, looking, you know, 
at your finances through the context of, of the natal chart. Uh, look, there's so much you can see, you know, your family members in, in your natal chart. Um, so it really is, it, it, it's actually been one of the most important like aspects of my career over the past like five years is diving deeper and deeper into astrology and just really seeing that the planets really do kind of rule over everything. They set the stage, they set the table for us. And then it's up to us how, you know, what we take from that and which paths we choose, you know, uh, just, just because you have, you know, um, uh, your Jupiter return, for example, which is a very positive time. And let's say your Jupiter is also conjunct your sun or, 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 you know, conjunct, um, you know, Mercury or whatever. And, you know, it, it, we think, wow, that's a great time for business, great time for career, great time for wealth. Well, you could choose to not take advantage of that. You could, you know, stay mired in addiction or self-sabotage or, or hedonism and just not really take advantage of that you know, auspicious period in your life. You know, and then the same when it comes to when you have a kind of a, a trap period or like a difficult transit in your life, you know, you got a lot of eighth house transits or 12th house transits, or um, there's just some difficult, you know, major aspect in your chart or whatever it is, or, or the Saturn return, you know, every time Saturn comes around your chart every 29 years or so. Anyways, like you can have a smoother ride of it and you can kind of learn what life is trying to teach you very quickly, or you cannot, and you can be stubborn. You can stay mired in it and have a, take the scenic route, so to speak. So we, we do have free will with everything. It's just that a lot of times we're kind of in reality choosing between different paths that are possibilities, you know, that are kind of pre-written possibilities. Yeah. Um, so we're coming up on the end of the hour here, man. I got so many more. <laughs> I have to get you on here. Again. Yeah, sure. Worry. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, tell everybody where they, where they can find you. Oh, absolutely. So my website is really easy. It's you are a divine human.org all spelled out. You are a divine human.org. Also, I'm very uh, active on Instagram. Uh, that might've been where you found me. It's at Matthew John healer. Uh, you can find me there on YouTube. It's Matthew John, spiritual teacher. But if you go to my website, you are a divine human.org. All my social media links are there, and it's very easy to get in touch with me. I have uh, a lot of great uh, stuff that I, you know, there's so many ways to work with me. I have a, a group program called Ascending is One, uh, where we meet uh, usually every Sunday for three hours. We do in-depth astrology work. We go over the planetary configurations for each day to come, and, you know, we figure out how to plan your week around the astrology. Then I do a healing topic for the week. You know, this past Sunday I was teaching uh, the, the 12 rays of creator's energy, which is fascinating. This weekend we have intro to meditation. Later this month we have exploring the Akashic Records. And I also once a month channel, uh, trans channel group of Syrian extraterrestrial beings. So, uh, and with that group, if you join the VIP tier, you get a monthly private reading with me where you can ask me anything you want to ask me. Where you come from in the stars? What your past lives were like? You want me to look at your astrology chart? You want me to read tarot for you? We can do anything. I also offer full length, you know, the regression sessions, as, as I mentioned, the past life regression, the star season sessions. I offer medical intuitive readings. If you got a health issue going on and you want to consult a medical intuitive on that, I've got a uh, powerful energy healing session. So there's so much that I offer. I also do in-person stuff. I've got a really, really great retreat coming up in August uh, in the mountains in New York state where we'll be connecting with a lot of extraterrestrials, uh, uh, at least actually, and then who knows, you know, who knows if anyone will show up in the sky too, <laughs> you never know, but, uh, go to my website. It's got everything I offer and, and I'm really easy to get in touch with. Like I usually respond to emails right away. So, um, you know, contact me uh, through my website. So again, it's, you are a divine And if you can't contact him, contact me and I'll keep calling him for the answers. <laughs> yeah. I'm very accessible. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, he's a good guy to, contact he's a great guy great energy thank man. He's got thank a you lot of, uh, uh, you know i'm gonna say this but i don't mean it the way it sounds you got a lot of followers but not just because people follow you people follow you because they like you and i think thank you like I yeah no I, I i do hear that a lot I, I you know i hear that people just enjoy the way that i teach things or the way that i talk about things and people tend to find me very personable and genuine and i take pride in all that yeah yeah and uh, and you are man, you're a great guy. Thank so you. Thanks a lot for doing the show. I appreciate. Yeah, it. I had a great time. I, I really I, I enjoyed it so much, uh, and I hope your audience did as as well. I'm sure they did. Yeah, thanks for, thanks for all the comments and the 
And then, yeah, and then everyone that was that was commenting. I appreciate it. And with that being said, everyone have a good night. And oh, hold on real quick, Matthew. But uh, everybody else, y'all have a good night. And we'll talk to you next Monday.